0: So today, I want to share some thoughts about the God who sees me. The God who sees me. And by the way, moms, we're going to give you special honor at the end of the message today. We didn't forget, okay? What difference does it make in my life to know that there is a God who sees me? I am very aware that Mother's Day is not easy for everyone. For some people, there are varied types of reasons why it may actually be a difficult day. And we understand that. But thank you for coming anyhow, if that happens to be you in your experience or where you're at right now in your season of life. Now, many of us in this room are not mothers, obviously, because we're men, we'll never be moms. that We were all, once upon a time, children. Children who liked to be watched. I bet you said to your mom, Hey, mom, watch me. Hey, mom, look what I can do. Look at me. And your mothers did their best to turn their heads to notice, to appreciate and to give some praise and honor. We all know what it's like to be kids and wanting to be seen by moms. Some of you also, as a mother, may wonder if you are seen and understood. Because there comes a point as a mom where you may feel at times that you're You're invisible. Former actress Nicole Johnson has written a beautiful article called I Am Invisible, and Danette is going to read part of it.
1: It all began to make sense. The blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids will walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. And inside I'm thinking, can't you see... I'm on the phone. Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner because no one can see me at all. I am invisible. Some days I am only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands. I am not even a human being. I'm a clock to ask, what time is it? I'm a satellite guide to answer what number is the Disney Channel. I make car to order right around 5:30 please. I was certain that these were the hands that once held books and the eyes that studied history and the mind that graduated. But now they had all disappeared into the peanut butter, never to be seen again. She's going. She's going. She's gone.
0: I don't know if you've felt like that as a mom in the past or possibly the present. But we're going to look in the Bible today at a mother and a child that is a relevant truth for all of us. We're going to go to the book of Genesis and chapter 16. It's about a mom and her child that were very misunderstood. Genesis chapter 16. And I will read. Now Sarah... Abram's wife had not borne him a child, but she had an Egyptian slave woman whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please have relations with my slave woman. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And so after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her slave woman, and gave her to the husband as his wife. He had relations with Hagar, and she conceived, and when Hagar became aware that she had conceived, her mistress was insignificant in her sight. So Sarai said to to Abram, May the wrong done to me be upon you. I put my slave woman into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was insignificant in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Look, your slave woman is in your power. Do to her what is good in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and then she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, Sarai's slave woman, from, from where have you come and where, where are you going? So the angel, the, um, and she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. So the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be many. They will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are pregnant and you will give give birth to a son. And you shall name him Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction and he'll be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him, and he will live in defiance of all of his brothers. Then she called upon the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God who sees me. For she said, Have I even seen him here and lived after he saw me? Therefore the well was called Bir Lahai Rohi. Behold, it is between... Hadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore a son to Abram, and Abram named his son to whom Hagar gave birth Ishmael. I want to talk a bit about a misunderstood mother. In this story, we've just met this woman named Hagar. She's an immigrant from Egypt without a sense of belonging. She is running away from a household where her body has been used to satisfy the sexual desires of a man and produce offspring for an infertile couple. Well, like many daughters, this daughter, Hagar, is mistreated. She's trapped in a system where she feels all but invisible. She has no rights, no dignity, no freedom, no choice, and she's had enough. Now, it's very hard to be a somebody with no name, and she's referred to by Abram and Sarai as the maid, the slave girl, the Egyptian. Sarai and Abram probably did not even see Hagar as a person, but she was just a slave to serve them and to give him pleasure. She was there to serve a purpose, simply meet needs and desires, and it would seem to me that even Hagar doesn't know what she wants and possibly and likely doesn't even know what she needs. She doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't want to be treated as an invisible person for sure. She doesn't want to be the slave of the jealous wife of Abram. But she doesn't know what her greatest need is until she meets God. Who meets that need? Hagar's name, named God, excuse me, Elroy, uh, Roy, the God who sees. I was thinking about it this week, and I wonder what name you would give God if you had a chance to name Him. Would it be the God who loves? Uh, perhaps the God who comforts, or the God who forgives. Oh, how about the God of the second chance? Here is a thought. I was thinking this, that whatever you would choose, whatever name you would choose to name God would say as much about your need as it would about the character of God. Because it is through our need that we experience God in the most deepest way. Hagar, who felt insignificant and misunderstood, is actually a very significant person from God's point of view. Did you know that in Scripture, Hagar, I I did some digging around I, I had never done before, and I found that Hagar actually had the longest conversation of any woman and almost of any man in the whole of the Old Testament, that is, conversation with God. Hagar, the Egyptian maid, the slave girl, used and abused, is the only person in the Bible who gives God a name. Well, wow. up to this point, God gave Himself names. He introduced to the, Himself to the children of Israel as Elohim, uh, the, the Creator, and Yahweh, the Covenant Maker, El Shaddai, God Almighty. And so there's all of these vast, amazing, majestic names of God. But Hagar needs more than just a vast, majestic name of God. She has probably heard about, but she doesn't even know those names. What Hagar needs is a personal, intimate God. And she goes before him and she meets that God and she says, I have now seen the God who sees me. I've thought a while this week, uh, last couple of weeks about <clears throat> that statement and why it is so important. I want to share a few thoughts why that statement is so important, I think, and relevant for all of humanity. Uh, you might ask, what difference does it make in my life to know that there's a God who sees me. What difference does that make as a mom, as a dad, as a young person, as a child? These star- thoughts started in me when I was a kid. I remember going into certain situations where there were groups of people as a child and realizing that I was all but invisible. No one even noticed no one said hello, no one acknowledged the kid. And when I came somewhere around eight, nine, in that that range of time, I had come to realize that something was very important to me and that was to be seen, to be recognized, to be understood and to be appreciated. And that is so real to me this day. I remember those moments that every time I see a child, I want to do my best to contribute towards their sense of knowing that they are seen, they are loved, and they are appreciated, and they're beautiful before God. But as a kid, I realized that some things are, well, some things are very true in the Bible, right? You know, you remember 1 Samuel sixteen seven. it says, man looks on the outward appearance. And sometimes when we fellow humans look at another person and we just glance at them, sometimes there's not a sense within us that there is significance there to be appreciated, and we just pass by. And we move along in our way because we're busy. And I realized as a child that when people sometimes looked at me, they maybe did not understand and didn't even care to understand or sometimes maybe misjudged me because they didn't know me. And I think one of the things that hurts us most, hurts me the most in life, is when somebody doesn't take the time to know me, but makes judgment against me about my motives when they don't even know what they are. Never even taken the time to ask, but come to conclusions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I think we've all been there. Those moments can be so heart-wrenching, so disappointing. The scripture says that 1 Samuel 16, 7, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. He sees the intentions and motives of our hearts. And guess what? Since we have this union with God through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit, we have the ability to believe the best and to see the life of Christ in all people. Judge no man after the flesh. Let's be people. People of the Spirit look beyond just the outward thing. People of the Spirit are sensitive to the heart of God, the voice of God, and can pick up on the beautiful qualities within a person, even if the outward behavior is less than appreciated. We all have a fundamental need to be seen. That's why we say things like, watch me mommy, watch me daddy. And you know what? We don't really want anyone else to watch. What is most important, and I wanna focus specifically on this on Mother's Day, is that, is to be seen and known by a mom. It's huge. I remember as a kid, when um, I was in grade school and By the time middle school, we were doing some some sports and such, and what was really huge is to have mom or dad or both of them there to watch me. I felt valued. I felt honored. Oh, there were all kinds of other moms and sometimes dads. It's the middle of the afternoon many times, so a lot of the dads couldn't make it, but all kinds of other moms and some other dads, and that was like, cool, but... What was most important is to feel valued by my mom, my dad, and to know that they saw me. Why do we need to be seen? It's interesting. William Tamis said and i quote you don't really understand human nature unless you know why a child on a merry-go-round will wave at his parents every time around and why his parents will always wave back isn't it fun just to watch that i remember uh, some some years back when our kids were little and we was out at the seaside and and the kids are on the little carousel with the horses. And here's all of us moms and dads. And and, and the kids are there, they're going around the carousel on their little ponies, you know. And every time they come around, they're checking to see if mom and dad. And every now and then, look, look at me. And we're waving And I thought, this is kind of interesting. And I noticed to my right, to my left, all of us moms and dads are just like infatuated. We're waving. It's like, hey, Johnny. Hey, Daniel. (laughs) Why do we need to be seen? Why do we so long for a God who sees us? And what difference does it make? I think it makes all the difference in this world because to know our roots and to know that we're significant This scripture came to mind, Psalms 139, 16. Look at this scripture. Before I formed you, I saw you. Isn't that powerful? Before I formed you, I saw you. So we have this God and this Christ who always was. And before even the world was created, we were seen and known by God. My eyes saw your unformed body. God saw us before anyone else did. And we can always encourage one another with that reality. That becomes the anchor. Because sometimes as moms and dads and different types of relational dynamics and, or lack thereof, sometimes we don't always we're not always seen. By a parent, we're not always maybe understood, but we can have this sense of knowing that in reality, God has already seen us. The idea of God watching over us, though, well, for many people, that thought of God watching over you brings thoughts of anxiety and fear because some kids, and the people that have the worst problem with this are kids raised in Christian homes, Well, that would be those Christian homes where repeatedly they've been told, Johnny, God just saw you hit your sister. All of your misbehavior, God is watching it. God is not pleased with your misbehavior. You have no idea how many times I've heard those words spoken by parents over their children. Breaks my heart every time. So the whole notion of God seeing you is one of anxiety and fear now. And that is one of the reasons that many people go around ducking all through life is because they're told that somehow in their misbehavior that God was watching that and your sins will find you out. A very distorted view of God because it's only a little facet it's an important part, but it's a facet of the overall nature and character of God. But when used in those kind of contexts sometimes, then, what it does is distort and warps the mindset and the emotion of a child that we're actually, they are afraid of God, and so they wind up. But guess what I have heard so many times, guys, my friends, sitting over a cup of coffee, I've listened to guys tell me, that they had that heavy laid on them, said by the time I was a teenager, I said, I can never measure up. So, the blank with it all. I'll just go live however I want because I'm a loser anyhow because this has always been hanging over my head. God is watching you. That's what it produces. I've sadly watched it again and again and again. Well, What is it, though, that about God and him seeing us? I think we have to understand the core nature of God is one of love. It's one of beauty. He sees beauty within us. Our problem is we struggle seeing beauty in ourselves and struggle seeing beauty in other people, right? But God just doesn't know us just after the mere outward behaviors. He sees the treasure of hearts. We belong to him. We're in his image and likeness. We all need a savior, but he sees us. His eyes are loving. And when we know that, we can relax in his presence. Guess what? When we mess up in life, whether it's as a child, a teenager, or as an adult, guess where we need to be in this presence? That's where you always want to run to because it's in his presence where there's healing, where it's safe, and it's significant and special to be seen. Jeremiah 24, 6, my eyes will watch over them for their good. He's caring. Now, that was talking about the children of Israel when they were in exile, and they were miles and miles from home and thinking maybe God doesn't know us anymore. Maybe he doesn't care anymore. And they hung their harps on the willow tree, the scriptures tell us. But God says that my eyes are seeing them. He's seeing their heart. Uh, What does it mean? to be seen what's it like to live under the heavenly gaze of our father let me give a couple other thoughts zephaniah 3:17 he will take great delight in you he will be he will quiet you with his love he takes delight in all people yes but no god takes delight in all human beings doesn't mean that every facet of our behavior is the most honorable towards ourselves or other people, but he delights. He sees the real us. Psalms 33, the Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions the hearts of them all. Not some. He fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all of their works. I'm so grateful that we have this God. That's why we call him Father, because he has this caring nature, and he looks upon all people. He understands, and he understands as he looks. Yes, even at our foolishness, even in the midst of our sin, he looks with kindness, and he looks with understanding. To be seen is to be understood. And to be seen is to be encouraged. Matthew 6, verse 6. I love this scripture. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He is looking to reward, He's looking to give us feedback that brings honor and encouragement. That stimulates us to grow. It's the encouragement that that really is, is is a greatest stimulant towards us growing. What will he reward us with? His presence, his pleasure. And you know what, moms, dads, grandparents, we gotta speak these things over our children and our grandchildren daily. I thought everybody jump up and shout. What we do not want to see is our kids and grandkids or people around us ducking and dodging, afraid of God because God has not been accurately represented and presented. And so what we, we want is people to know that, yes, life is about learning and growing, and in the process we make a lot of mistakes. But God is good, kind, gentle, caring, forgiving. And by the way, the scriptures actually tell us that he doesn't hold any of our sins against us. He's already dealt with them. Cast them as far as the east is from the west where every human's already been reconciled to God. Not living like it necessarily. Maybe in full-blown rebellion against God, but in terms of what God has done, in terms of how God sees us, He's already dealt with our sin. I love this quotation from the Chariots of Fire, that old movie that was so amazing, where Eric Lytle, uh, the, the great runner said, and I quote, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, that was such an amazing line. To be seen is to be significant. It's to be safe. It's to be understood. It's to be free. To be free under the heavenly gaze of our, of our heavenly father. Oh, I, I kind of like this story about David. Now, some of you know this story well and some of you may not. But I love this incident that happens in 2 Samuel chapter 6 when David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. So King David, who had many people who looked to him... Uh, he only was really interested in one person, and that was how he was seen before God. He looked to God, and he lived in his life before an audience of one in this season of his life. And that meant that whatever the cost, he had to bring the ark back to Jerusalem because he knew how it thrilled God. I mean, to the extent that he didn't even care what people thought when he was out dancing in the streets in his underwear. His wife was morbidly embarrassed, angry, and other people thought this guy is a total whack job. The Second Samuel chapter six, I'm just going to read you a few verses. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. He's just acting way too crazy. And then we jump to verse 20, when David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will even become more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes but by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I love this passage because David had a holy case of the I don't cares. Now we all understand in any culture of any given society in our world, there's certain things that are generally acceptable and understood to be appropriate, okay? And it's wise to know that. When you go to another nation in a different culture, one of the first things, if you're wise, you just you just kinda like, you wanna be just kinda trying to dial in what is appropriate, what is inappropriate in all levels, okay? But we can carry that a little bit too far sometimes within the context of our own circles so much to the extent that we can be more concerned about what other people will think than is, than is wisdom. And we can wind up having our lives controlled by our own faulty thinking of, well, what will people think? Has anybody ever wrestled with that? Or am I the only one? That honestly has been a stumbling block sometimes in my life. And, and sometimes I've had, I've had people who that, that are a lot wiser than me who knew my heart and said, Gaily, just be you. Well, that, okay, what does that mean? It means that there are certain places and points in times when we find ourselves just kind of, you know, caving in to try to meet up to the perceived expectations of other people because you don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. And sometimes it's actually a sign of some internal, just unhealthy perspective. And of course, thing that comes to mind is, well, I don't want to be one of those very foolish, cocky, arrogant persons that walks around saying, I don't care about people. Of course not. Of course not. And so in all of that, I think there are times in which we could be experiencing limitations. You know, Peter, he steps out of the boat to go meet Jesus, and his buddies thought he was somewhat of a fool. But he had a case of the Holy, I don't care what all of my friends think. I'm going to step out onto the water and start walking. He thought it's better to be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider. (laughs) He honored his Lord. I wonder how we all might look different if we got over ourselves. <laughs> and that's a part of growth, isn't it? Is learning how to grow, become unhooked from this thing that, what will people think? What was this person think? And trying to please this and that and the other. And sometimes actually stunting our own personal growth. Because what we fear most is we don't want to be looked at as a rebel, as a person who is inconsiderate, rude, etc. So, obviously, all things in proper perspective. Stepping into things before the Lord as he sees us brings about beauty. You see, when God delights in us, we know that we're free to dance david danced before the lord but his expression on earth of god's joy in heaven was being on, was on display god doesn't shut us down but he releases us to be to be seen as to be strengthened second chronicles 16:9 the eyes of the lord move to and fro throughout the earth oh yeah he's looking for those sinners right I'm looking for another sinner to punish. No, he's looking to and fro whose hearts may be responsive towards him so that he can strengthen their hearts and draw them into himself. Well, I don't know how the thought of God seeing you makes you feel, if it makes you cringe or gives you courage. For Hagar, it gave her courage. And she did go back home and live in the house of Abraham and Sarah. Well, her son grew up, and and home life became unbearable again. And, And so she had to flee again. In Genesis 21, verse 15, when the water in the skin was used up, this was after she fled, went to the wilderness, she left the boy under one of the bushes, and when she went and sat opposite of him about a bow shot away, for she said, may I not see the, Lord, the boy die? And she sat opposite him and raised her voice, and she wept. And God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Get up, lift up the boy, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. Let us have confidence in knowing that God, out of the love of his heart and by the presence of his spirit, will open our eyes to see that which we did realize was there. And in that moment, he gave her a promise again, of being seen and being significant. So moms, it may be true that sometimes you feel that you're at the end of your resources, physically, mentally, emotionally, maybe spiritually, and you feel like that nearly all of you has been depleted, and you may wonder, what more can I do for my child? And you actually may struggle at times In moments, anyhow, believing that God actually sees you as significant and worthy of his blessing and sees you as beautiful. God gave Hagar courage, and she discovered what it was to be strongly supported by God. When no one else knows, no one else cares, and no one else helps, God sees you. And to be seen is to be known by our Heavenly Father. Moms and all of us, remember you're not invisible and neither is God. When she fled from the pressures of the circumstances she was in, she realized that he sees me and he knows my name. And just because we can't see God at times doesn't mean he's not there. And I know we've all heard those words so many times, but it's still true. And honestly, sometimes I have to be reminded of it. And that's what Hagar discovered when she fled into the wilderness. He sees me. He knows my name. And just because we can't see him doing something in the immediate doesn't mean he's not doing something You all know one of my favorite songs around here. He's working even when we don't see him working. When you see, you believe, and when you believe, you see. Hagar had longed to be seen, and she met the God who sees. I now see the God who has seen me. And I would love for all the moms to stand up and I want to pray a prayer over you. Now, let's honor the moms who are standing up now, okay? Everybody, let's bless all the moms. Precious before the Lord. Thank you for the way that you honor the Lord. Thank you for the way that you're making our world a better place through your heart of love, through your service, through your through all of the countless ways that you're imparting love, life, blessing, and wisdom, and courage, and strength to children, to grandchildren. Wow, bless you. It's beautiful. Would you extend your hands towards these moms? Okay, mom, near you, extend your hands towards your moms. So today, moms, I pray today that God's confidence in you will give you the faith to keep trusting him with your life and your motherhood. Mothers, I pray that today, Father God will open your eyes to see him and realize that he always sees you and that he's for you and that it is he, your loving God, who gives you the ability and strength for every circumstance that you may face today and in the future. And we bless you, mothers. The mothers in our lives who aren't here present today, we bless them. We bless all mothers in our families, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon all mothers and may mothers find encouragement today knowing that God sees them, values them, and it is God who will always be with them. And everyone said amen and amen. Let's all stand up together.